Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio, a.k.a. The Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And my co-host, Jake, is a must-follow for all your Dolphins needs. He also tweets about basketball much more than I do, so make sure you follow him at jmendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. But before we get into the key matchups to Sunday's game versus San Francisco, please, if you're listening to this podcast, whether it be on Apple or Spotify, smash the subscribe button. Leave a five-star review because without you, there is no us. So with all that said, welcome to the Jake and Josh show. You heard from Josh. Now let's hear from Jake. How's it going today, Jake? Josh, we're lurking our way through the week. We get to watch the Tom Brady's play tonight. Obviously, that means we're playing. Or, uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. And you know, Josh, we're sitting here. We're a quarter of the way through the season. And I guess the question on everyone's mind, how many more weeks before we see the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tua Tagovailoa suit up as a Dolphins starting quarterback. Obviously, it's not going to be this week against the Seattle Seahawks. A little depressing, a little disappointing. But I'm telling you, man, I think, I really do think that Denver might be the time. And and at least as a starter, right? We're not going to see him this week as the starting quarterback. I mean, I if, if so. Fitzpatrick goes out there and snails along again and, you know, throws two interceptions in the first half, who knows what Brian Flores could do. But it just seems like it's not a matter of, you know, when it's not so much a matter of where or it's a matter of when it's going to happen. You know, it's to a time by little time sooner than later and Dolphin fans brace yourself. Ryan Fitzpatrick's done a hell of a job with this team, put the team on his back countless times, but it is what it is. We're one in three settled for five field goals last week. At some point you got to ask better at some point you're going to want to see your rookie quarterback because who knows what's going to happen with Houston's draft pick? who knows what's going to happen, you know, as the 2020 season progresses, we need to see to a time by It's soon to a time by time. And the the real question is, are we going to see Tua Tagovailoa out there starting at, for the Miami Dolphins before most of us even get our jerseys? That's what we all want to know. 
<laughs> and you know it's it's weird to look at this offense because there are two major shakeups that uh you know putting someone like Tua in can do it can help the running back room which has certainly struggled I mean I don't I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me there and the second is something Brian Flores brought up this week and that is getting the glitch getting Preston Williams a little more involved in the offense and they said they had conversations about how we can do that you know one way you can do that try someone new at quarterback baby so it's going to be an interesting week for that Dolphins offense because you do you do want to see more and with that though too this is where you can kind of see where the Dolphins miss someone like Albert Wilson um or even Alan Hearns for that matter because I think they both kind of accomplished the same goal in a different way what the Dolphins have really lacked somebody who's going to go underneath who's going to get the defenses wanting to move up a little bit because for as much as we want to complain that it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and it yeah, we, we can certainly make that argument. Um, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, no one's really helping him out too, too much. Um, Miami's longest play of the season is a 27-yard uh, reception to Jaseki. And then right there at 26, the longest play of last week against Seattle was a little dump off to Matt Breida that went 26 yards. So yes. what I think the Dolphins are really, I think, missing out right now, and it's something that, you know, you don't have the vision to see this kind of thing happening, but without Albert Wilson... Without Alan Hearns, they don't have that guy who can go underneath and open up those big plays down the field. I mean, I just looked at Isaiah Ford's numbers, and Josh, I'm sorry, I, I feel like I always do this to you, but he's he caught like 16 of, of 26 targets or something along those lines. I think that's what the Dolphins' offense is really missing, and whether making a change to Tua helps get an underneath guy going, it's maybe it's easier to throw to Isaiah Ford. Maybe it's just a timing thing. I don't know. But that or Ryan Fitzpatrick has to get someone going this week as that role, as that little slot dump-off guy, in order to get those long passes, I know they're going to try some to Preston Williams. I don't think they'll be a surprise to anyone this week. So that's that's my kind of spiel over the offense to really get things going here. And, and what's crazy to me is you mentioned how they're missing an Albert Wilson or an Alan Hearns. I think Isaiah Ford's a, a very nice transition from an Alan Hearns. I think Isaiah Ford, you know, you mentioned he could probably do a better job being more efficient as a pass catcher, but... He's third on the team with 151 yards in receiving. You got Devontae Parker at the top. But I want to see a guy like Jakeem Grant. You mentioned Albert Wilson being out. We only saw a glimpse of what he could do when he's healthy. Jakeem Grant has the same skill set. Why are we not seeing more of him? You mentioned Matt Breed. I mean, that's a guy who we've been for weeks, you know, banging the table. He needs more touches. We understand the Miles Gaskin thing. You're riding the hot hand. He impressed. He can do a little bit of everything. You know, he's making some of those reads that uh, Matt Breed missed. I mean, I saw a play where Matt Breed left about 15, 20 yards on the field. But he's still an explosive player. You know, we know how fast he is. We keep joking. He's the fastest player in the NFL. Get him the football. Get Jakeem Grant the football. Let those guys make those plays in space. Because you mentioned mm -hmm. that big play uh, last week. That was just a little dump off to Matt Breida. You can see what he does with the football in his hand. To me, you know, when you saw Lim Bowden out there in the Wildcat, Jakeem Grant was on the field. Matt Breida was on the field. That, to me, right there is fascinating. We know it's, uh, you know, it's a gadget play. You know, it's a little bit of trickery. It's really not practical when you're driving down the field. It kind of takes your team out of rhythm. But to throw that out there at times, I mean, they can do some explosive things. All three of those players, let them go out there and make plays. So I understand that we're missing these guys, but you got to find ways to get Jakeem Grant involved, Matt Breed involved, and even Miles Gaskin to an extent in the passing game. They got the weapons, but the biggest thing is how do these players – you know, how do they go out there and, and make those plays when their number is called? We saw Preston you wonder Williams. You know, if, uh, 
you want to start interrupted. Do you wonder if it's like a scheme thing when you really think about it? Because it's a really vertical offense. You know, the Dolphins have, I, again, I'm sorry to cut you off. When they're down a cornerback, we saw them, you know, occasionally struggle. Wide receivers will bounce off uh, the cornerbacks and get an extra 10 to 15 yards. And is it possible that Chan Gailey's offense doesn't really give those guys the ball? Maybe it's only three yards downfield. Maybe it's somewhere even in the backfield, but doesn't give them an opportunity to go make that play where it is a lot more vertical, where you're going up, you're making a catch. And, and a lot of the times when you're doing something like that, when you're turning around midair, it's kind of harder to keep running. So do you think there could be anything that has to do with the play calling that's, that might be hurting them in the terms of just taking what's given? Because when you think of that Seattle game, Josh, they, that secondary was brutal. They should have taken advantage of that secondary all day long. And, you know, Keem Grant, we saw what he did with it. I mean, granted, it was just one catch. They only went at him once. But, you know, he makes a diving catch. He gets up, knows that he wasn't touched, and goes and runs for 10 yards. But, I mean, you don't see any of these guys getting that opportunity to really shimmy along unless they're already breaking a guy, uh, breaking off a cornerback on a slant or something like that. Yeah, it could be a scheme thing. And I think anyone that went back there, and I was posting different clips and, and videos and pictures, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he played it safe this whole game. He played it safe this entire game. You know, he went with the check down or the easy route and didn't allow those deeper routes to to unfold. And even at times, you know, there were plays where Mike Jasicki was running wide open. Matt Collins was running wide open. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was just, I don't want to say he was going with his first read and, you know, trying not to go out there and turn the ball, turn the ball over and give the ball back to Seattle and put this game away. You know, maybe he was playing a little bit safe, but we can't play that way. You can't play safe. You saw the five field goals. Uh, I think it's a little bit of everything. And I think, you know, we also got to remember again, the, the different circumstances, these players, these teams have gone through with everything happening right now. I mean, this, these first four games is kind of a learning curve for everyone, especially when you bring in 25, 24 new players. You know, you bring in a new offensive scheme. You, you have a guy that gets promoted to defensive coordinator. You know, so there's these different pieces. Things are slowly starting to come together, and I do think that the Dolphins have those playmakers on offense. They just need to find ways to get them the ball. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, it starts with him. He admits that he can play better, and, you know, when a guy's running wide open, you know, across the middle of the field, that should be a play that – uh, a grizzled, you know, 17-year vet makes and doesn't do the, the check down or, or throw the Jakeem Grant in double coverage. You know, there was different plays where he just left too much on the field and he knows he needs to play better. And again, this all goes back to, to why the clock is ticking on Tua Tungvaloa time. Yeah, and, you know, you could also bring up that Fitzpatrick started the game on, on the wrong foot with an interception, but his arm was hit and, you know, it kind of fluttered into a cornerback's hand. Either way, it was an interception, but you have to wonder if he thought pressure would be coming a little more than it was. Granted, Miami's offensive line has been great, but there is an issue that we have to talk about here. And first of all, we have to say Solomon Kinley, who is also questionable. He's good to go. He was a full practice in Thursday's um, practice. <laughs> and so we have to turn our attention to Austin Jackson, who's not practicing for the second straight day because of a foot injury. Uh, he played, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the entire game on Sunday. So he, he was playing through something. And there's been a lot of talk. I mean, Julian Davenport, his name's being brought up quite a few times. I think he started eight games for the Miami Dolphins last year. Obviously, we want Austin Jackson out there. We know what he can do. But Josh, how are you feeling on his potential to start this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers? I mean, I'm a, I'm a little uneasy. I got that Joe Philbin queasiness in my stomach, you know, because for as well as this offensive line is played, and we, you can look at the pro football focus grades, you can look at these, you know, outside variables. At the end of the day, the Dolphins offensive line has been playing much better than it has last last season. Um, missing out on Austin Jackson, that's going to be a huge blow. But, you know, Julian Davenport, like you said, did get some time last season. We saw him play a little bit on Sunday. He really wasn't a liability. So, 
you know, maybe he did improve. I mean, this is a young player like all these guys. Maybe Julian Davenport, you know, just needed this offseason, just needed to. A little to, competition. Yes, exactly. And sometimes that's all it takes to push a guy. So I'm still a little uneasy with that. And I think I think something that we need to talk about is the Dolphins have been using Big Bob Hunt, and you yes. gave him that nickname, and I, I love to use Bob Hunt, and I have to give you credit for that. They've been using Big Bob Hunt in short yardage situations. You know, they bring him in as an eligible receiver, you know, putting that extra meat on the offensive line. He's going to catch a touchdown. I'm telling yeah, you. I think, I think he might, but I think I'd like to see what he can possibly do. You know, if Davenport goes out there and struggles a little bit against San Francisco, and, you know, this isn't the same defensive line they would have faced a couple – you know, at, when you look at this at the beginning of the season, I mean, they're d- definitely banged up and there's some some issues there. So uh, I think Davenport, it's going to be a matchup you have to watch. But I'm most excited to see what happens if, you know, he does struggle a little bit. Is it big Bob Hunt time? Because I think when the Dolphins drafted him, you know, they did foresee him being the right tackle of the future. Now's his chance if he has to to maybe be that left tackle. And, you know, does he give you a better chance than Julian Davenport? I can't sit here and tell you he does definitively because, again, we didn't get to watch these guys in camp. We didn't get to see them battle one another. We didn't get to see them out there, even against other teams, you know, second and third string offense. So I'm truly uh, enamored to see what's going to happen with that position because with that position, with with Austin Jackson most likely out for this game, it's definitely going to be a factor you know, whether it's a win or a loss for Miami on Sunday, it's going to come down to how that offensive line performs without their starting left tackle. That That's certainly the case. And you can even make the case if, um, you know, put Big Bob Hunt in right tackle, you move Jesse Davis to a, who I believe has some experience at left tackle. Um, I'm sure yeah. it wouldn't go too, too well. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But maybe maybe that's worth more of a shot for one game. I don't know. Just kind of uh, spitballing over here. But, Josh, there's some exciting things to talk about. I mean, Shaq Lawson didn't practice. Obviously, that's not what I mean by what something exciting. Um, but I, I think Shaq Lawson's going to play. He played through the entire injury last week. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, he had a good performance against Seattle, so it'd be good to keep him in the rotation, especially when he's playing well. But Xavier Howard practiced in full, and so did Byron Jones. Josh, it's happening. You think about the San Fran team, and of course it happens on the week where the Dolphins, you know, would have rather been facing Russell Wilson, where you have your two great cornerbacks on the field. Granted, I mean, the cornerbacks weren't awful against Russell Wilson as is, but Xavier Howard back, Byron Jones back, them both being healthy. What does that do to that secondary and, you know, that defense in general? It changes everything. I mean, this is what you wanted to see. And this is what this whole defense is kind of based around is how good that secondary is. We haven't got to see it come full force. And I'm excited because the Dolphins are one in three. You know, we can sit here and say this game's a must win. You know, like we may have said back in Jacksonville, I don't necessarily know if that's the case, but the Dolphins, if they want to prove that they are the team that they are, you know, we went out there, they lost by eight points to Seattle. That's awesome. Now they're playing a San Francisco <laughs> team. We know how, how great. Uh, sarcasm you know how, in your voice. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we know how great the San Francisco's offense is. And, you know, it's always been a next man up mentality. I, what's going to happen there with Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he going to play? You know, is it going to be Nick Mullins? Is it going to be? Uh, Batard beat hard. I, I, I'm still not sure. CJ Batard. CJ Batard. Okay, well, I always call him CJ beat hard. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you don't know which quarterback it's going to be, and you don't know which wide receivers they're going to have out there. Um, it looks like Trent Taylor's a full go. Debo Samuel's not playing. Dante Pettis is a full go. Mostert's limited. So, I mean, their injury list isn't quite like what uh, Seattle was a week ago, but San Francisco has playmakers, and it's always been an X man up thing. And to know that the Dolphins could potentially be at full strength. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna count my chick eggs before they're hatched. Is that is that the saying? Chickens before they're hatched. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna count Either my works. eggs. Be- <laughs> I'm not gonna count my eggs before they're hatched. 
But uh, if you have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard healthy, uh, I think that's definitely a step in the right direction for what we saw last week because Noe Benogany, 20 years old, he's, he's eventually going to be a stud in this league most likely. But he's clearly not ready, and you paid Byron Jones to be that shutdown corner. Like you said, you thought maybe he'd go last week because he is that guy. He, I mean, I think he's probably the highest-paid player on the team. You expect him to go out there when called upon in games where you kind of do need to win to go out there and, and be that shutdown corner. We're going to see it this week. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, and with that, too, I think outside of his you know obvious talent in the field comes that communication, comes this defense really being at full strength. Um, we see it. We see the, the plays that uh, Noah Igbenogany are make, is making. You know, we saw the blown coverage last week. We saw it against the Bills where he didn't really get beat up for it. And, you know, you can't you cannot bash him for this stuff. He's a first-year cornerback. But what the Dolphins are doing, the way they're building their team, is they're trying to speed up. You know, everyone keeps saying that it's the second year of the rebuild, and that's an excuse for kicking five field goals. Uh, I'm not going to get into that just yet. Or even at all. But what I'm trying do to it, get at here. Do it. You can. You're allowed. You're allowed. Do it. But, but what I'm saying is when you put Noah Igbenogany into the slot, I mean, it limits. Obviously, a slot receiver can still have a good game, but you're not talking about a 50-yard bomb down the sideline, right? So the Dolphins are trying to speed up this rebuild, and this is how you put yourself in a position to win games while making mistakes. And that's what that second year of a rebuild should be. It's not, you know, kicking a bunch of times at fourth and three. It's figuring out what plays do, what don't work in those situations. And if you go two for four and lose, instead of kicking five field goals, you're feeling more happy because that's the situation you want to be in when you're doing a second year of a rebuild. So what I wonder is having Byron Jones back, seeing this vision of this defense, does it allow enough room for error for these young guys to really understand the game, really learn the game, where these guys, whether it's Xavier and Howard having, you know, just one pass defended and it's an interception, do enough to make this defense really legitimate bed and don't break uh top half of the league obviously i'm not going to go crazy and say much higher than that but a top 15 defense and that last part's the most worrisome to me you know you're going to expect a 20 year old rookie like no Benogni to make those mistakes against a stefan Diggs. you know against some of the prolific wide receivers in the nfl Xavier Howard, though, I mean, he got beaten like a drum, and he just looks like he lost a step, and, and that's the biggest concern to me. You know, Byron Jones healthy, I, I think kind of, and I've said this in previous podcasts, you know, I think when they, they signed Byron Jones, they saw that as a way that they could have flexibility moving forward with an Xavier Howard because I never really foresaw this team keeping both these high-priced players. I think getting them both out there, though, is going to be exciting. But to me, I mean, I am more concerned about Xavier Howard getting beat like a drum, you know, whether it be in DK Metcalf. And it's not just so much that Metcalf made plays. It's the way. I mean, I post the videos again, and I, I mean, you can see just Xavier Howard. It's just little things where, you know, he misses a bump at the line or he just looks like he gives up almost. or he. And then at times, you know, he thinks he has the coverage, which maybe that is a miscommunication. I know we'll get into that in a second, but... Uh, for me, I think there's no more excuses here. Brian Flores is a defensive-minded head coach. He's that guru that we all saw completely shut down um, Sean McVay in the Super Bowl and completely, you know, knocked that offense down a couple rungs. He brought in his players. We we see these dynamic players. We see the pieces, you know, slowly coming together. It needs to all take shape against San Francisco. They're one and three. Something has to give. And again, if if Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are both healthy, like it seems. Uh, you know, you need to expect a lot out of that secondary because they're getting paid uh, to to be that that pro prolific uh, shutdown tandem. Yeah, absolutely. Let's kind of wraps up injury news, all that jazz. So we're gonna take our little break here, and we'll come back with three keys to victory for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament tonight. We'll break down. Oh, 
we break down who will be cutting... CUT! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You can kind of think of different ways where the Miami Dolphins are going to kind of pull out wins. I talk myself into it every week. I like to pick them just because I think there are opportunities each and every week for the Miami Dolphins to pull off a victory. Uh Unlike last year, all three of their losses seemed winnable. And so coming into this week, it's the biggest concern I have. And that's communication. Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald wrote a story about how, you know, Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys who loves to move the guys around before the ball is snapped. Uh, just a lot, just to kind of get into defensive backs' heads, defensive players in general's heads. Um, and we saw last week, as Salguero highlighted in his story, once Bobby McCain went out of the game, the Miami Dolphins' defense started to look really confused. Without him out there, they're obviously lacking something. So this is going to be the toughest match of the day. It, that's why, you know, whether it's C.J. Bethard, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, I think this running game looks very, very scary for the Miami Dolphins trying to slow that down, just because they can do it in so many different ways. And, you know, that's kind of the attitude you have about a Kyle Shanahan offense. So I was kind of surprised where the 49ers only have three big plays on the ground. One of them actually came from a wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk. But they have 10 big plays, uh, you know, plays that went more than 20 yards. Should have clarified that. Uh, they have 10 of them. So it's kind of a weird situation where... Obviously, I haven't watched enough San Francisco 49er football where, hey, maybe these are plays at the line of scrimmage. They beat a couple guys and the rest is history. But this is a situation I really worry about because that's what the Shanahan offense does. It makes sure before the snap, you're going to be set up where you have every opportunity to make a big play. Yeah, and it's scary. And we keep talking about how it's kind of the next man up. And I like how you mentioned Brandon Ayuk kind of have one of those big plays. For San Francisco, because we know, I believe it was Simon Clancy of CK, uh, three yards per carry. And it was also... Matthew Kanata, the former host of Finside Radio, that confirmed that the Dolphins had interest in Ayuk in the draft. You know, so they, you know, did a lot of work on him. It's going to be interesting to see the way they game plan for him. But for me, the biggest thing and the most fascinating thing about a Kyle Shanahan team is just how it's always the next man up mentality. I mean, we talk about on every podcast, you and I, big fantasy football guys. You can't predict this freaking San Francisco backfield. It's almost like Miami's. You have no idea what's going on. Derek McKinnon, but this I mean, isn't like a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely in a good way. They they could throw Drick McKinnon in there like they have in these last few weeks, and he can go out there and, and put up massive numbers from a fantasy perspective and statistically to help their team win football games. And, I mean, we're going to talk about it. How the hell are they going to stop George Kittle? I mean, that's the biggest thing to me is how on earth, you know, are you going to put Eric Rowe in coverage? What are you going to do to stop him? He is a mammoth, and we all love Mike Jasicki. We all think the world of him. I mean, we all know he needs to get more involved in the Dolphins offense, but how in the heck? We're talking about their run game. How are we going to stop that monster, whether it's McKinnon, whether it's Coleman, whether it's Monster, whether it's, you know, insert insert running back name here, or how are they going to stop those wide receivers? And then, of course, the mammoth in the middle, 
George Kittle. I just don't know how the Dolphins are going to have an answer, and it all starts, again, with the quarterback position. I would much rather see C.J. Bathard or Nick Mullins than Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm, I'm like you. I don't watch a lot of San Francisco football. I just know what it was from last year, and I felt like Garoppolo held that team back a little bit. Can he go out there and pick apart this Dolphins secondary? That's, that's the million-dollar question, and it's going to come back to communication. Yeah, and that's going to be a struggle is trying to slow down uh, George Kittle. And then from that, you know, he gets the six, seven yards. You can just kind of chip away with the running uh, running game. And the Miami Dolphins, their uh, motto, I guess, on defense is, we know you're going to get a couple first downs, but we're going to stop you, whether it's getting right for the red zone or it's about midfield. But this is an offense that I think gives up a lot, a lot of yards. And that's what's legitimately concerning is if you, they get out and have those couple plays, is the Shanahan offense one little misstep? We saw that it's possible. Uh, where one guy is just going to be running wide open across the middle of the field for touchdowns. And I think that's why, you know, communication, having Byron Jones back is huge. I cannot wait to see the secondary in full swing. Obviously, week one, Byron Jones was healthy. But, I mean, Cam Newton, they were running the ball so much, we really didn't get to see it happen. Uh, second key to victory is, does the Miami Dolphins actually have a running back? Just the way, I mean, Miles Gaskin's numbers are just so okay. He's going to give you what is take or what is available, but that's about it. We need somebody, whether it's Gaskin, whether he just kind of breaks out and has a monster game, whether he puts his foot down in the turf and just sprints for 25 yards, whether it's Matt Breida making a couple more plays out of the backfield because the Dolphins' running backs are not involved in the passing game at all. And as we talk about maybe the need for a little more uh, underneath play from there from the slot receivers, I mean, running backs are in that same category. So this roster is too talented. Whether it's even Jordan Howard, I'm going to say it. I'm going to sound like a crazy person. But even having Jordan Howard on your roster means that there's no way, especially in a close game, if it's a blowout, obviously things can change. There's no way Ryan Fitzpatrick should lead the team in any game in rushing yards any week. Ryan Fitzpatrick has more rushing attempts on the season than Matt Breida. That sounds like a way to lose football games. I don't care about the context. That just really should not be the case for the Miami Dolphins. I think getting Breida involved is maybe a best-case scenario for the Dolphins. You think about that 20-plus yard gain we saw last week. The Dolphins clearly need some sort of spark because the the 4 by 4 and then like a 3-yard run by Gaskin is great, but all of a sudden one incomplete pass, the room for error is so small where one third down, you, you got to kick a field goal, you got to punt. We need someone who can really make that play or... Who knows? Go for it on fourth down. Josh, last thing I say before I let you go, Lynn Bowden, uh, we are tweeting about it back and forth to each other. He had one Wildcat snaps. Uh, I think it was the Miami Herald just did a feature about him, just kind of trying to get involved and, and make a spot roll for him in the NFL. Josh, he looked really good in that Wildcat offense. Granted, it was one play for just five yards, but I mean, somebody here has to start gashing opposing defenses because it's really, really reflecting the Miami Dolphins offense as a whole. Yeah, man. And I, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with any of that. I do got to say that I think we're continuing to sleep on Miles Gaskin. I think in one of the leagues, is it the Fanatics, uh, the the league that Brian Burns put together? I believe you have Miles Gaskin on your fantasy team. Is that I correct? I start him. I start him yep. every week. His t- yeah. his usage is so high. And it's like, for, for like, I don't know, man. I just feel like we need to see big plays out of him because we're getting a little better and this is gonna sound the, the frank gore treatment of it's gonna be that continuous grounded pound but like there's never the big play there's never just that bailing your team out of a bad play we know chain gailey is not the best coordinator in the world we're clearly figuring that out but just kind of breaking up through a big box on third and three or something like that just the play the anyone can like no i shouldn't even say that but i don't know man i just feel like there needs to be more explosion coming from the running back position and that, that's really hurting the dolphins yeah, and I didn't mean any disrespect to that because, let's be honest, Miles Gaskin in a PPR fantasy league, I mean, he's been awesome because yeah. he does get all those touches. Um, 
I'm looking at it right now, 192 yards rushing. Ryan Fitzpatrick, second on the team with 115, and then Matt Breida with 72 yards. You know, you made the trade for Matt Breida. I can understand not giving Jordan Howard some touches because you do have a guy like Miles Gaston. You do have a guy like Matt Breida. So I'd kind of rather give those guys those, those, uh, you know, those opportunities in the passing game, but you got to get Matt Breida the football. I mean, we mentioned it last week. You said he had that 26 yarder, you know, you saw him spin out of a tackle, you know, he's making defenders miss the guy's explosive with the football in his hands. You got to make, you got to make ways to get him the ball. You mentioned Lim Bowden. And again, that was just fascinating to me to see him out there. You know, Matt Breida was also out there and Jakeem Grant. That's a ton of speed. The Dolphins got to find ways to get the football in these fast guys hands uh, and these fast players hands so they can get, you know, around the edge and make those big plays. So, uh, a lot to figure out, but if the Dolphins want to have success, and you know it, it's so cliche, they got to establish a run game. And you're going to get me get me going on my soapbox, but I still will never understand why Ryan Fitzpatrick, like you said, is running the football on third and one, or you know taking mm-hmm. these unnecessary hits. We want to talk about him being this awesome mentor, uh, mentor for you know Tua Tagovailoa. Watching Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there and lay his body on the line, you know, in in uh, on a third and one when you're probably going forward again on fourth down is just is unnecessary. You have a fullback on the roster like Chandler Cox. You have Jordan Howard that you're paying the money to. You know, use those guys in those situations. So establish a run game is absolutely going to be one of the Dolphins' top priorities because if you're not running the football successfully, you know, the team's just going to play off you, you know, and and force you to make those mistakes in the passing game, which we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick do. So is Miles Gaskins the guy? I'm not sure, but he's clearly, you know, the coach's guy, and he's going to continue to get those touches moving forward. Yeah, the Dolphins are barely reaching 100 rushing yards a game, maybe like 105, something like that. And Miles Gaskin is averaging, let, let me see here, uh, 48 yards a game. I mean, we just need to see more. I mean, it's so easy, and I, I think I said this before, but I'd still say this about him, even if he scored the two um, Jordan Howard touchdowns at the one-yard line. But, I mean, we just need, like you said, we have a fullback. We have running backs we paid for, whether it's through trading draft picks or just signing as free agents. The running game needs to be doing much, much better than Ryan Fitzpatrick in second. Um, and, you know, just it, it just seems like the big plays are certainly lacking from there. And, you know, third and finally, Josh, for our keys, uh, this one, I guess it, you could call it was us being lazy, but but scoring touchdowns. Josh, the team needs to score some touchdowns. You play to win the game. Hello? Hello? You don't... You don't kick field goals against a great team like Seattle. You just, you're doomed. The second you kick the third one, you are doomed. I mean, besides from obviously bringing in Tua Tonvalo and running the two quarterback, you know, read option there with Ryan Fitzpatrick running the football. For me, I think you got to get Mike Jasicki more involved. You mentioned it. You know, he had three targets last week, one catch, same as the week before. This is a dynamic playmaker that, you know, is a mismatch nightmare you got to find ways to get him the football. We know the Dolphins are going to go out there and try to feed the unicorn the ball more. And we saw last week, Devontae Parker, you know, we continue to talk about how he has to get that yards after the catch. We need to see more of that from Devontae Parker. I think those are the ways that the Dolphins can go out there and, and score touchdowns and convert some of these, you know, red zone opportunities. I think they need to get Matt Breida more involved. I think they got to get Miles Gaskin more involved in the passing game. And from there, you know, these things will slowly come together. So, you know, the Dolphins have the play, the players, the playmakers to go out there and make it happen. Whether or not the the coaching, the play calls, and you know it all comes together. That that's the real, you know that that's the real question that needs to be answered. And with that, Josh, I mean, I kind of spoke about it earlier, but my one player who I think is going to have to have a big game, uh, Isaiah Ford. I think the Dolphins, if they can start getting those, you know, ten to twelve yard receptions underneath the Jarvis Landry esque plays, and then it opens up those plays down the field, whether it's to a Devontae Parker, whether it's to a Preston Williams, who Brian Flores just said, you know. 
a couple times this week that they want to try to get him more involved with the offense. I think if you can get Isaiah Ford going, if he can do better than 15 on 11 target or 26 targets, uh, missing 11 of them, along a 17, just get him cooking underneath and let him make a couple plays. Let him try to get some yak and best case scenario, move the change. Like the Dolphins have really struggled on that third and three, third and four. That's when you need a slot guy who is always going to be able to there to make that catch. Yeah, and Isaiah Ford, I mean, I don't want to say he's in the same category as Jarvis Landry, but he kind of gives you that. He's that slot wide receiver presence who, you know, for the most part, when you need an opportunity or you need a guy to go out there and make a play, you know, Isaiah Ford, when his number's been called upon, he's been pretty solid. So I I love that. I think you can expect a lot out of him. Uh, For me, you know, I kind of wrote this in before we even started talking, but I I mentioned Matt Breida earlier. We mentioned Mike Jasicki. Those two guys for me, I mean, Jasicki just having two catches over, you know, the span of two games you know, the two, the weeks, two weeks prior or after he had that monster game for 130 receiving yards and a touchdown. I mean, you need to get him the football more. He, he's a huge part of this offense. Um, and then Matt Burita, again, every time he touches the football, it seems like good things happen. I like to see him out there with a Miles Gaskin, you know, make the, make the defense kind of question what's going to happen. You got all these players, whether it be speed or size with Jasicki, uh, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, you need to go out there and find ways to, to put touchdowns on the board. I think it starts with Matt Burita, Mike Jasicki again. That, that guy is just hard to hard to game plan against, and to have only three targets you know, in back-to-back weeks, that's disgusting to me. So those two guys, uh, I expect them both to step up and step up big, and I think you know that's where the offense success will, will kind of run through. I certainly agree with you. Uh, final thoughts, I mean – I've gone the Dolphins every week, and I think we can agree that New England, Buffalo, and Seattle were three winnable games. I'm not saying they should have won all three of them, but I think we can both agree the Dolphins were in situations where they could have certainly come out with a victory there. Um, I think San Francisco is another one of those games, but obviously the Dolphins have proven that just becomes a just because a game is winnable, they aren't necessarily ready to go up and grab it. So that's why I'm going to go San Fran 38, the Dolphins 20. I think the offense gets off to another slow start, and I think that San Fran offense just kind of gets off a couple of big plays that really change the momentum of the game. Uh, Fitzpatrick is kind of floundering through the first half, gets going for three touchdowns late, misses a two-point conversion, and and that is that. Um, I'd, ha- I'd, I'd love to be wrong. If the Dolphins come out and prove they can win a game, we're going to be getting all jazzed up about going into a Denver game where the Do- where the Broncos are an extremely banged up football team. And who knows? You could be looking at three and three right in the face. We could get there, and I can jack myself up talking about that. But man, they really need to win this Sunday. They're going East Coast to West Coast. If we ranted about Seattle coming to the East Coast, we have to do it the other way around. Four o'clock start. I don't know, man. I I. It's a it's a winnable game, but I just think the error margin for error, especially with the communication on that defense, uh, is so small. I I'm I'm nervous about it. Yeah, I think a lot of us we need to enjoy those early games, enjoy watching your fantasy football players because you know it's going to be a nerve wracking late game. You mentioned it, four oh five start. For me, it's a toss up to me, and I know a lot of these injuries got to play out. I got to see who's playing at quarterback. I just got to you know, see, is Byron Jones healthy? How's this defense going to be able to match up? You know, there's a lot of questions, you know, between now and Sunday that are going to be answered. For me, I'm going to go 27-24 Dolphins. I know it sounds crazy. I know San Francisco was in the Super Bowl last year, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you know what, this is that game where the Dolphins, they come, they put it all together. Defense plays good. I mean, they played pretty darn good against Seattle. They gave the Dolphins some opportunities to, to go out there and win that game. I mean, you can say that about 
a few of those games this season that it turned into losses. So I think if the Dolphins' defense can put it all together, and again, that'll a lot have a lot to do with whether or not Byron Jones is healthy. You know, one of those pass rushers is Shaq Lawson playing. Is Emmanuel Agba, you know, a full go? There's different things that need to, to shape up. But I think the Dolphins, this is a game that they can match up up and I think Brian Flores and this staff they might surprise us I uh, won't completely rule out you know the potential that Ryan Fitzpatrick struggles in the first half they bring in Tua Tungavailoa <laughs> you know drives the team down the field for three consecutive touchdown drives and they end up beating San Francisco and you know the Dolphins uh, at, uh, every program on TV and NFL Network and you know CBS and Fox are running these highlights about Tua and comparing his stats to you know the NFL greats uh, I won't rule that out but but it's soon coming and i uh, um, I think the Dolphins can win this game, 27-24. Yeah, and you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's 30 year, 38 years old and still playing in the NFL because he has that ability when his back is against the wall to play some of his best football. But obviously, we know it's a roller coaster and could go either way. So let's hope for the best and, and kind of call it from there. Josh, you know, it was a lot of fun talking with you today, buddy. The Dolphins play another game on Sunday. Uh, if you guys enjoyed what you listened to, smash that subscribe button, leave a review, leave a rating, whatever you feel is best. We greatly appreciate all the help. And you know, Shoot us a tweet on Twitter. I am at jmetal94. Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. I'm sure we'll be doing some things going up to the, uh, before the game on Sunday. Just join us. Have a conversation. We can all panic together. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. Go Dolphins. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number We're the Miami Dolphins.